I think that one of the difficulties and one of the big things that, that e-commerce is missing a lot of times is, is honesty, right? That's why I love the, the podcast title so much is because like sharing and being honest. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. Today, I am joined by John Hagen. John is now working for Pure... L-E-I, but before that, or it's pure lay. Did I just screw that all up? It's okay, man. You know, to be honest, it's like the most common problem that we have. It's pure lay. Okay. Yeah. I read it in my head as L-E-I, probably because of R-E-I. Ah, okay. This is the worst intro I've done on the show, but we're going to keep it because I like being like being true. No problem. Okay. So before you, before you got the job at the confusing company name... I'm just kidding. But before that, what were you doing before you started working for Pure Lay? So before I was working for Pure Lay, I was actually living in... I live in Kansas City now. I was living in Los Angeles, uh, helping run a small sort of six-man operation digital marketing agency that was heavily based... Actually, almost entirely based in media buying. Um, so we were running... We had a roster of about 10 clients. Uh, we were pr- primarily buying media for them on Facebook. So that's, that's where, I, where I met Pure Light. That's fantastic. So when was that? How long ago? Um, that was between 2017. That was from 2017 to 2018. Gotcha. So that was a little over 2 years ago or however you want to pick it on the calendar. I mean, just to break it down for people cuz if you've been in the Facebook game as long as we have like what's the difference in in terms of i guess the ability to hit a return on ad spend that you can brag about then compared to now right yeah so it was entirely different man so we started out running a lot of stuff for a dropshipper um with a lot of success there uh and then when sort of like the Cambridge Analytica scandal happened that we it just didn't really work anymore it was no like dropshipping was no longer, and actually, I'm thankful for that. To be honest, um, you know, one of one of the things that uh, I like to pride myself in is e- honest e-commerce. And when you're dropshipping, unless you have a, a, a sort of dropshipping like hybrid that you have set up in the U.S., you're not particularly. It's not honest, right? You're not making people happy. You're not providing a, an incredible service or uh, a product or you know those kind of things. So. Uh, the difference to answer your question, man. It you know, there's a big difference between back then Facebook and now Facebook, and there's a big difference between American Facebook and European Facebook, right? So I've had to go through a couple of transitions. Um, back then, it was like just a simple machine type ATM style uh, return where you, you know, receive a creative, write some, to be honest, terrible copy at that time, uh, put it up on Facebook, and Bam! You have a ROI of two to three for a, a absolutely not sound process. And now the game is, you know, only the, the survival of the fittest, right? You have to be on your game. You have to be a solid copywriter. You have to be uh, have solid creative. You have to have solid media buying practices. So it requires a lot more of attention and a lot more of effort. 
Yeah. Um, I guess I've never really uh, talked about drop shipping on the show and my opinions on it. And I actually personally, so the agency, you know, if to get a little more serious about it, the agency doesn't work with drop shippers usually just because the margins are so thin that they can't afford our service. It's not a sound investment for them. But that kind of goes along with the mentality behind drop shipping. It's like, I think drop shipping is actually fantastic. If you're trying to cut your teeth and learn e commerce and learn how to market, go start your own store and just. Just dive right in. Like you're gonna learn, you're gonna fail so fast, and you're gonna learn so fast. Absolutely, no. The the, the capacity, like the the barriers to entry with drop shipping, are so low that it's such an excellent entry point for someone who wants to learn anything about fa- anything about marketing and ge- e-commerce in general, right? Whether it's whether it's just a Shopify store or Instagram, you know, whatever it is, it's such a great platform to or as a strategy to introduce those principles. Yeah, but I'll be here's the honesty. Good luck making money. It's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. But getting your feet wet, it's great for. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And then you can do all that stuff, all that knowledge that you're learning there, you can actually then expand and kind of take on some other younger businesses as clients and kind of, you know, take those practices over. Um, you starting the agency was the best thing ever for us. Like we learned so much cool stuff about so many, you know, processes within e-commerce businesses, new ways to approach getting customers, you know, all all different aspects of the funnel and then automations and optimizations to do. And it all kind of came back to that just being curious about how all this stuff worked. Right. Right. So we're getting completely off track. Let's let's jump back into it. Yeah. Yeah. So after after the uh, working for kind of that first performance marketing company, and then you met your current company now, uh, I guess maybe explain uh, that transition. And obviously, we kind of touched on it a bit, the differences between marketing for in America versus kind of internationally. Absolutely. Yeah. So it wasn't all drop shipping with that agency by any means. So we sort of started with drop shipping. And then we started... Once we started winning with drop shipping companies, you know, the, the, the client profile started to go up in quality, right? So then we started to gain some clients that were getting larger and, and, and solid, you know, solid, really solid foundational companies to where we could really scale um, and, and find some success. So along that lines, once we were finding that success, we started doing some consulting for other businesses. Uh, and PureLay ended up being one of them, uh, where I ended up you know, coming, taking a more active role in the consultations and eventually starting to work full-time for um, a lot of my job is centered around growth. So the, the differences that I have seen, so in, in growth in any, in, in any capacity, whether we see growth, that's my title is director of growth. So whether we see growth as a great possibility in a different market or on a different platform or with other influencers or with other companies, anything in that regards. So the difference that I've been able to see from American to European uh, e-commerce is is extremely like it's it's a great comparison because we're doing business in both places. Um, the the major difference of those of those two markets being scalability. So you know, let's say that like what we have, we're a European first company currently. Uh, we do most of our business in Europe, but when you do most of your business in Europe, you start to hit a ceiling relatively fast, right? So. For instance, Germany is our primary market. Well, there's only and only, but there's only 80 million people in Germany. So when you start to see some really, really great numbers, when you start to really grow into what we what we've grown into, which is a hundred person company uh, with with you know raising the ceiling of marketing every year, raising the numbers every year, 
inevitably you start to see a ceiling. So um, then you had the question, right? Do you get into Belgium? Well, how many people are in Belgium? Do you get into Amsterdam? Do you get into the Netherlands? Right. So you start to have this, this like we can, we can, and, and, and in order to get into each of those countries, you have to tailor make a website. You have to translate a website. You have to translate all of your copy. You have to have employees there that understand the market and understand if there is something, if there's profit to be made there. Right. Or you can hop into the US. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that quite answers your questions, but different wise, difference wise, scalability. But then also, difference wise, you have extremely high costs in the US, right? Right now, in e commerce, I don't think there's a more expensive place to be than the US. So, um, CPMs are extremely high. ROAS can be really hard to obtain. There are he- the saturation is a huge factor, right? So, those are just a couple of the of the differences. I don't know if you want me to dive into one particularly. Uh, no, actually, I have a I have a question yeah. about the company itself. I know that you weren't there from the beginning, but I'm sure that you kind of know an answer to this. How did a German startup build a brand based on a Hawaiian, you know, a Hawaiian inspired brand? Yeah, of course. So we have three we have three co founders: Elisa, Freddie, and Etienne. Um, Elisa uh, studied abroad in Hawaii when she was uh, in college, and she really just fell in love with the culture, resonated with the, the lifestyle there, um, and wanted to bring something like that back to, back to the EU. Because there's, you know, there, there is some of that lifestyle in the EU, but in Germany particularly, you know, when you think of Germany, you don't have the, the beaches and you're not going to... They do have beaches, but you're not going to be able to bring that lifestyle like physically back. So that was sort of her mission was once she, she just fell in love, wanted to stay there, but just also wanted to come home. So she just wanted to bring a piece of that Hawaiian culture back to Germany. And the message resonates extremely well with Germans as well. Well, that's fantastic. And just shout out to Hawaii in general. It's my favorite vacation spot. And Sean keeps making fun of me because I keep going back. <laughs> I have actually not been there yet. And I need to go there. Uh, it's, it, it's fantastic. We can talk about that offline. I'll give you some nice suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. Support for today's podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand, US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. There are no hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash H-O-N-E-S-T. So let's kind of get into some nitty-gritty and strategy stuff. So what's like... uh, What are you doing... What's kind of some of your approaches to media buying and you know, maybe even some tips or tricks that you guys are are doing over there uh, that people might not be thinking about yet? Absolutely. So right now we have this very unique strategy um, almost across the board and extending it certainly has a media buying aspect to it, but it's, it sort of extends far outside of simply media buying. So we have these product launches that we do every week. So we are launching five to 10 SKUs of product every week. Uh, products come in and it is, it's, it's a very difficult to execute on strategy. 
because there's a lot of moving parts, right? So eventually, so this is the strategy in a nutshell. We have an event, okay? So we have an event with about 20 to 30 influencers in a very um, beautiful, scenic location. Our last one was in Venice, Italy. Um, so we have this event in Venice where um, these 20 to 30, we fly in these 20 to 30 influencers. These influencers are all posting on their channels before the event actually happens, teasing that they're going to a Pure Lay event, that there's going to be a product launch. We tease it on our Instagram channel. We tease it on our Facebook channel on, through Facebook ads. We tease it through email. Basically, every piece of data that we can possibly aggregate, we put together for this launch. So then the influencers arrive. We have liaisons. We have inf- our, our team of influencer girls there to sort of communicate with them. They have a brunch or they have a um, dinner. And then the product launch happens. Sometimes the product launch is tied specifically to one of these influencers. So it's the influencer X collection. Um, and then when the launch happens, that teasing turns into launching. So we transition a landing page from a teaser to a launch. And again, every single piece of data that we have acquired just notifies all of these people that we have uh, a, a new product launch um, tied with a specific influencer. And here's a little discount code. Okay. So you mentioned something that I want to get some clarity on. You guys are launching new SKUs every week. Mm-hmm. And are you having these events every week? How often are these events? So the launches, sometimes the launches are bigger than others. The launches are probably... So the, the, the events are probably happening on a monthly basis, maybe, maybe a bi-weekly basis, but typically a monthly basis just because of the manpower required to have these events. Uh, the product launches, however, are happening every week. So, but when we see the best results, it's quite... It's insane how different the results are when we have one of these huge events compared to when we don't have one of these huge events. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just going to get to the point there. You are making so much content to reuse, aren't you? Oh my gosh. So, so we have 20 to 30 influencers in one place at one time, right? So we have 5 to 6 photographers, just the whole 9 yards. And we just get so much content out of those events. And that just makes your job so much easier with Facebook, Instagram. Are you guys doing any other kind of visual paid media stuff? Um, so we, on a small scale, are testing... We're actually in the beta version of TikTok right now. Oh man, I just I just noticed that they were doing ads, and I'm like super curious about it. Yeah, so so to be honest, the way that we got into TikTok was I just messaged any email that I could find on TikTok's homepage, and I said, "This is who we are. We would love to advertise on your channel." And then they give you a rep, and you get involved in a beta version of testing. So it is extremely extremely primitive, like the the methods that they they have a paid platform, but it's like. I, I I have never even seen a Facebook paid platform that is this primitive. But you know, it's a beta version, right? So I mean, th- sometimes as a you know a marketer and early adapter knows that can be as valuable as having you know the the robust marketing system that Facebook has right now. That's so cool. So I'm gonna ha- definitely follow up with you in a couple of months to see how that's all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. It's it's a kind of it's TikTok is kind of one of those platforms for me right now where I just don't really understand it yet, like as a consumer. So it can be a bit difficult to sort of climb inside of the psyche of a person who loves that platform because to be honest, I feel like I'm like 45 years old when I'm looking at TikTok. <laughs> I just I just don't. Yeah, it's just very different. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so 
kind of going back to this event structure, I know we got a little off track with TikTok. Just, you know, I'm always excited about new things. And that's why I like doing an agency and not a productized service because I get to try new things. So going back to these events. So you're you're taking these events, you're launching and you're reusing all this content all over the place. And I'm sure that you're using that with your your visual ads on Facebook and Instagram. You're using this content for your social posting as well. Um, and you're throwing it out through your your uh, email blasts, I'm just assuming as well. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's an all encompassing approach. It's every piece of data. It's, it's what I call the kitchen sink, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's every piece of data that we possibly have acquired. Cause at that point it's just notifying it, it, it takes sort of the difficulties and the complexities of media buying away because if you have the demand and you have the product that people want and then they, they can't have it yet, but you're letting them know that it's coming when you get to the launch, it's really just letting them know that it's happening. It's not trying... You, you've already got them sold. They've already... So then let me explain one further piece of the... So the landing page throughout the teasing time. So throughout... We call it teasering. So throughout the teasering, throughout the p- portion of time before the product launches, when influencers are arriving and telling people that it's happening, the sign up, there's a sign-up form on that teasering page, which is a huge deal, right? Because then we have we have acquired data that we don't have to really pay anymore for like media-wise. We don't have to buy any more media for it. We just send out an email or a chat blast. So I'm assuming that the ROI on okay or return on ad spend, return on investment, whatever you want to call it. So people are hitting this specific page. Are you just making custom audiences for that specific page to hit them with the stuff when it finally goes live? You're like, boom, these are the ones. Absolutely. Oh man. And that's just a crazy return. To be honest with you, I can share numbers if you like. To be honest with you, sometimes this ROAS on Facebook will be as high as 20 to 30x. That is fantastic. And so are you doing much paid before? Or are you just using organic social and all these influencers to drive that traffic to that page to create that retargeting audience? Right. So we are we are doing some paid before. We are certainly doing some paid before. I would say that the paid before is about 50-50 cold to warm traffic. So it's all website visitors, business engagers, purchasers, add to carts, but then it's also top four cold audiences on, you know, top four cold audiences on Facebook and then three or four new ones, three or four new that we're kind of trying out as far as uh, cold traffic audiences on Facebook. So it's a healthy mix of cold and warm. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be prospecting. You can't keep rehitting your existing customers because that's not going to grow your business. That's not going to grow your top line. And especially when you're launching every week, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just continue to dig into that same honey pool and say, "Hey, you guys want to buy again? You want to buy?" You know, it's, it it gets a little bit not invasive, but just a little bit too much if you're not continuing acquisition at a at a high frequency. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to ask this question, and you don't have to answer it. And if you don't answer it, we'll just cut this out. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of numbers are you getting from these launches and from these events? Like, if you could share, you know, dollars. Yeah, I can answer that. Yeah. Um, so our our highest day of, of revenue actually happened not last week, but the week before. And we did just over half a million euros from a launch like this in one day. And you just shared the strategy. No, exactly. I think that, you know, I think that one of the misconceptions of a lot of like a lot of e-commerce people is that like it's me versus someone, right? Like it's purely versus, but at purely we're very transparent because it's how I learned. Right, like the way that I learned how to do a lot of this stuff was through talking to people and then being transparent and sharing their strategies. And there's so much meat on the bone, like the possibility that there was ever actually any competition directly from me sharing these, this strategy. Only good things are going to happen because of sharing the strategy, right? Because maybe some it will resonate with someone, and then they'll reach out to me and say, "Hey, I've been trying something similar as well, but you should try this." 
right? Like I just, there's a mentality of, of competition that I just, I just don't believe in. Oh, absolutely. And I think that actually was, I don't know, when I was a younger man, uh, <laughs> uh, the, I just, I, it, I'm, you know, and it was a bad thing I had to get over myself. And it was like an us versus them mentality, uh, you know, and it was like, I wanted every client because if I didn't have that client, then it was someone else's client. And, you know, then I was against them. And it was like, no. Uh, I had some very amazing people in the Shopify ecosystem. A shout out to Kurt Elster. He just slapped that out of my head. He's an amazing man. He's helped uh, grow our agency. Uh, his podcast, the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, shares so much amazing content. You know, and he's he's an open book, and it, it kind of just opened my eyes to it's like we're all in this together. Like let's just let's all build successful businesses. Absolutely right. I, I think that you know, and 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 you deal with it. I think that we deal with it a lot too. You know, there, it's like 50-50, right? Where people are like, oh, let's share, right? Let's let me get your number down. Let's let's just you know let's open up our Facebook ads managers and let's just compare numbers and compare strategies. And then the other fifty percent is like, that's competition, right? But unless you are like, I don't know, Patek Philippe and Rolex, you're not competing with each other. There's no way. I mean, there's just too much meat on the bone to ever actually consider someone competition right now. Unless you're yeah, unless you're that big, right? Yeah. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. That's amazing. I, I Thank you so much for sharing that strategy and just the numbers and, and being honest about it. Let's kind of like pivot it a bit. And let's talk about uh, you know with your job, what's the best part of, of having this growth position at, you know, it seems like a, a growing e-commerce business. Yeah. The best part of, of my job, to be honest, in, in growth sense is just that we have such an open ecosystem and environment for growth at PureLade that basically my job is to throw... I don't know if I can cuss on here, but to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Right. So to just throw a bunch of stuff, you know, just I, I get to... It's, it's like mental stimulation times a hundred, right? I just get wherever TikTok is a perfect example, right? If I look at TikTok and I see, man, guys, people are starting to make money here. Then it's not like, well, you know, there, there is no slowing me down. It's like, Hey, well, why don't you spend some money on there and see what happens? Right. The, the best part of my job is the freedom to try and, uh, extract growth from any possible revenue or avenue that I can. Yeah. And I think that kind of blends itself with one of my favorite business concepts is just fail fast, figure out if it's going to work or not. Exactly. Exactly. No, because anything, I mean, the most valuable thing we have as a company, right? So one of our, one of our is time. One of our core values is we move fast. So, and, and, and I think that aligns perfectly with my position and it allows me to sort of really live that to the fullest extent as director of growth. That's fantastic. So let's flip it. What's kind of the worst part of your job or the most difficult part about your job? Ooh, good question. So the worst, the most difficult part of my job is that people growth means change, and that people sometimes struggle to change. So uh, it, it can be very difficult. For instance, a lot of growth, a lot of growth potential for the company is in the U.S. Right, but when you have 
sort of this incredible system and robust marketing efforts in Germany or in Europe, that's where you want to put all of your focus on, right? Like any, you know, when, when you're, when you're rocking, when you're killing, you know, when you really think you're crushing it in, a, in an industry or in a market, it's really, really easy to think I got to spend all my time here. Like if I don't spend all my time here, then the next person's going to step in and they're going to, you know, we have to be the best here. But when you're looking at the U S in the horizon, and you're thinking about it as a really pivotal part of hitting our goals, maybe not particularly this year, but certainly in the next three to four years, it's really diff- it can be really difficult to align people's uh, strategies and minds towards that goal because it's change and change is difficult and it brings you out of your comfort zone. So the difficulty of growth is the change that follows along with it and it's inevitable. Absolutely. Cool. So we uh, before we go here, is there anything that you haven't shared with our audience that you think would be kind of uh, something worth listening to? I think that that what what I'd like to sh- what I what I like to share with people in the industry is just that I think that one of the difficulties and one of the big things that that e-commerce is missing a lot of times is is honesty. Right. That's why I love the the podcast title so much is because like sharing and being honest and being like I think that we've all had that sort of I don't know, the guru run-ins where there is a lack of honesty, right? But I think that what I... Yeah, the thing that I like to share is like there is still honesty in e-commerce, right? And like e-commerce is not, in a, is not an integral part of like some type of evil scheme to you know, pull money out of people's pockets. There is a lot of good in e-commerce and companies, I like to say like Purelay, represent that good. And to... Yeah, just promote honest e-commerce. I think it's a great principle. And I think it's a great name of the podcast. That's why I was so excited to come on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that amazing strategy. Uh, I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of listens to this one because I'm going to already know what I'm going to call it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Cool. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.